What's up, you guys? This podcast is about toxic masculinity. It is a set of behaviors and beliefs that include suppressing emotions or masking your distress, maintaining an appearance of hardness, or violence as an indicator of power. I believe this is the cause of many problems in this world, and step one is to talk about it. We're going to talk about our feelings, our ups, our downs, our experiences, and our solutions for a better future. Thank you so much for listening. Let's begin. What is up, you guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Boys Will Be Human. My name is Josh Gannon. I'll be your host. And today I have one of my newest friends and one of the funniest people I've ever met, Jose Balderas. Hello, everyone. Uh, not, in, not in any way throwing any shade at you, but if I'm the funniest guy you know, um, let's expand that circle, Josh, because I'm, I'm minor league at best. <laughs> I can nah. see. That's where it. Really. That's where it is because you're. You don't try, and it's your. I think you have. <laughs> you have a very dry response. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard for to meet new people and have them think I'm not an, a jerk right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, for everyone who will meet Jose, I will say, forget those feelings because he's not a jerk. But uh, so I wanted to welcome you to this podcast about masculinity. And one thing that we share in common is that we are both Latino. I'm mixed, and I'm so sorry, but I forgot your actual... 100% Mexican. 100% Mexican, obviously. I'm 50% Mexican, so okay. like almost there. Okay. Um, with this topic, do you think there's any uh, like expectations that we should that, that you think we have to, as, as boys, to live up to since we are Mexican or Latino? I don't know about your parents. My parents are immigrants from a tiny little village in, in Mexico, so the the most broad stereotype of what a man is is true there and and they bring it over here as well when they come to this country so Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be strong you're not supposed to show emotion crying is considered usually pretty bad you can only cry if it's a happy cry or a funeral cry there's no in-between cry you're not going to cry at a movie or sports or you're not going to do that it's just either someone dead or someone got married that's about it yeah Um, (laughs) and yeah and that's that that's 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 what being a man is um you're supposed to, you know, be a provider. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a two-person household, you're going to provide and you're going to do all the hard work uh, because the woman's going to stay at home and watch the kids and then uh, cook food and do all the housework. And yeah. uh, that's typically the expectation. For a long time, even my mom was just like, you know, find a woman that can cook and, and clean and do these things. And I was like, well, you know, hell, what am I going to do then at home? Just sit down? <laughs> um so yeah there's a lot of expectations a lot of them are emotional and they don't realize how they're you know molding us that way to just not feel um emotions Mm -hmm. uh and i think that comes from a place where they grew up with very hard lives there was no time to reflect because Mm -hmm. life was miserable uh my parents grew up you know sleeping eight kids in a little straw hut they just they've come from very very tough lives so just there's there's no there's no time to reflect and think it's just work and survive and i think in that type of environment there's no time to reflect on how you're feeling it's just about getting work done and then you know moving on to the next day it's about survival unfortunately i think yeah. and that's why it you can't show emotion you can't be scared and and especially as a as a latino male um something that's very i mean i don't know how common it is in other cultures but when you're a latino male you're going to get teased from being a you know one-year-old up until the rest of your life you're always gonna you're always gonna get teased and you're always supposed to take it in stride and just deal with it that sucks you know it's not something that i don't know i don't know if every other culture does it but uh latinos is very very common to always just you know be teasing your friends you know family oh yeah and and, yeah and, and and with that a lot of the teasing immediately turns very into very homophobic and transphobic and that's one of the things mm-hmm. that I, I don't like about about latino masculinity it's it, it immediately turns into that and it's like oh come on guys like every every family knows someone who is lgbtq in their family but yeah. we still stick to these insults and these name calling that that's just awful i don't know i don't know about your experience but latino is pretty much you know be a man don't cry deal with it it's a lot of unspoken truths for it's like we it's like people know things about other family members but they just don't talk about it so if they don't talk about it then it they don't have to deal with it or i know especially on the making fun of train um when i was growing up like i I wasn't like bullied by my family or uh, by my mom's side of the family because my mom is mexican but for me i felt like i couldn't do something 
that was weird or bad or funny because then it'd be like my stamp and they'd be like oh this is josh he did this one thing so now he's this forever <laughs> i still I, I still tease my mom because when i was about probably like six or seven i i told her one day i want to wash the dishes and you know and with just the idea in my head of I want to play around with water. Like, you know, that was, that was the whole goal of mine to get up on that sink and splash around with the water. And then she said, <laughs> she looked at me and she was like, no, this is girl stuff. And I was like, oh. why? And I was like, it's just, it's just the dishes. I, I just wanted to wash <laughs> the dishes because I wanted to splash in water, not because I'm a girl. And then uh, years later, I did tell her that I was like, why, why did you, why did you not let me wash the dishes? I wanted to, cause I wanted to play in the sink. And then she's like, well, you know, I didn't think about it, but, and I, you know, I told her what's wrong with me knowing how to clean the dishes. And I think at that point it stumped her as to like, why, what was the purpose of, of me not having that experience? Uh, and, and ever since then, you know, she's very more open-minded about those sort of things, but Mm -hmm. it stuck with me because I didn't understand why. And then when I related to her, I think it did kind of, kind of not make her think she made a mistake but she kind of wondered herself you know why didn't i let you clean the dishes that's 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 less about gender or masculinity it's more about personal responsibility you know, take, yeah take care of your stuff yeah no one would ever fault anybody for they'd probably fault someone for not knowing how to wash wash the dishes when they're older let alone yeah. ever like if you just know it's not really like oh yeah like i tell people like i my fiance and i chris we wash the dishes we don't have a, a dishwasher but we actually like washing the dishes but i've never felt attacked if someone said you like washing the dishes i'd be like yeah like i don't want bugs <laughs> like yeah absolutely you know like i want to be clean mm-hmm. like i just never felt like that would yeah. be a personal attack it's also it's also very expected in the latino community that the woman is going to cook and it's very mm. not frowned upon but it seems very questionable when when someone asks you oh you know who cooks in the home and you say you they're like you know how come she doesn't cook and it's like, well, I like cooking. You know, I mean, some of the people that I look up to are chefs and I love the science of cooking. It's not, again, it's, it, it becomes a thing about, it makes you less of a man if you cook. And I'm like, well, then, you know, why the hell am I reading Anthony Bourdain for? You know, <laughs> I, I, you know that, that's the experience that I like about cooking, that, that, that journey. And yeah. people just see it as like, a, you know, that's not something you should be doing. I'm like, all right, then, well, look at who's cooking your burgers at Applebee's next time. It's a bunch of dudes usually, so... <laughs> It's notorious how the restaurant industry is is just overwhelmed with with men. There's hardly any women in there. I don't know why at the home the woman has is expected to be the cook when out in the world it's controlled by men. It baffles me. I mean, I haven't worked in a lot of restaurants, but the few that I have, there weren't a lot of yeah, there weren't a lot of women mm-hmm. in the back. And, and unfortunately, you know, from from reading guys like Bourdain and, and other chefs, it's because it's incredibly misogynistic and sexist and. Uh, that's a whole other conversation, but um, mm-hmm. that it's it's. I don't understand why people still don't see that why women are expected to cook at home. I don't get it. I blame the Greatest Generation, Josh. Oh, really? <laughs> well, well, when people think about Americana, it's it's a very it's a very uh, ideal dream world where the man comes home with this you know with this three piece suit and his fedora, which should should have been a warning sign for us back then, um, yeah. and he comes home and. You know, the wife is with her apron cooking dinner, cooking pickled jello or whatever was cool back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, in a weird way, I blame Americana for putting that image into our heads that the, the wife stays at home and cooks, cooks dinner in, you know, three inch heels for her husband. Which sounds awful. Both the food and the, 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 the scenario. Yeah. When the heels. Yeah, I agree with you 100% where it's like the images that we see in the main in uh in mainstream media really affects us and so like the more it might not even be something that you like but if you just see it more you just start to believe that like oh this is the way because nbc has a show and they do this and they're very popular or whatever any anybody on tv and magazines or movies i think you just start to you just start to get acclimated with are acclimated with that kind of misogynistic climate and when people break that it just it does shatter people like it that's why it probably shocked your mom it's just because it was like oh i actually she was like i don't know why it was just like the times the latino experience as a male is it's it can be very complicated if you're 
an American, a Mexican American. Um, most of the people that I've known who come from Mexico uh, and grew up here still kind of harbor that image in their head. Um, but people who grew up here tend to kind of, you know, straddle that line of like, well, it's not bad, is it? You know, so it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough being, uh, being, <laughs> it's, this sounds awful. It's tough being a, a, a straight Latino male. I, I can't imagine how much harder it is for any, any LGBTQ males, and, you know, who are Latino because it's, 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 it's like harder. Yeah. It's so much harder. And, you know, do you have this tradition and I think it was a father's day and it was like meant that the women cook the food and the men are the first to eat. Hmm. Do you think, is that, what do you, what do you think about that? Cause I've, I saw it once and I was like, this doesn't feel right. As I, as they like handed me food in a tray, like they were saying like, do you want this or this? And I was like, you're my cousin. Like I can lift this, I can lift this hmm. ladle myself. I feel like I've definitely seen that more in Mexico when I've gone. Um, the men do eat first and, and it's, you know, you know, it's funny. I never thought about it, but now that I want to look back, most of the pictures at our table are a bunch of guys eating and then maybe, you know, the women start to trickle into the table and take spots there. But, yeah. um, uh, here in the U S I haven't seen it as much. Um, I, I think I have a pretty good family where they all eat at the same time mm-hmm. or they share the table. Um, so it's, it hasn't been that noticeable. So thankfully not. But I mean, Mexico, you definitely do see that thing where like, it's time to cook, the men eat first, and then, you know, they'll retreat, whatever, go talk somewhere and then women eat. So oh, it's, man. it's, I've seen it. It's, it's a bummer. You know, I don't, I don't get it. So even when you try to serve yourself here sometimes though, my mom will be like, stop it, I'll get it. I'm like, why? I'm already here. Like, I'm just get the tamale mom, <laughs> like, you know. But then, if she, had, yeah, if she gets it, I'll get extra tamales. So that's the thing, though. It's like the life. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, yeah, yeah. There is a plan. So, sometimes you just have to psych her out and be like, I'm gonna get this hot dog, mom. And then it's like, oh no, 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 no. Then then you get a hot dog, and like a side of of something else. So so you just have to know how to play your cards when it comes to that. That's true. Yeah. It, even on that day, to be honest, with that tradition, I'm only okay with it if it's like, let's have the fathers go first like I can only agree with that kind of a thing, but it's like every guy and I was there as like a 21 year old and I still don't have children. I'm 30. So I didn't feel like I had like the right to, but I was like, how about every father first at least? And then the women and then the rest of everybody, I don't know, but it just really got to me. But even in that moment, I knew it was wrong, but I knew if, and I said something to my, one of my family, one of my cousins or maybe my sister or mom, but I was like, I don't like this. Like, this isn't good. And it must have been one of my cousins because my mom or my sister wouldn't say it. But they were, they were, they didn't shame me, but they were just like, it's just, that's what it, like, go get your food. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, even in that moment where I could have, like, protested or, like, said, like, no, I don't like this. Go, like, I'm not going to be a part of this. I still, like, I was like, mm, fine. And I still got up and got food and I felt so guilty um, mm-hmm. and it's just funny how like that much i don't know if that if that goes under toxic masculinity but it's more it's more like it's definitely passive toxic masculinity i mean they're letting it happen yeah so it's know. very true and, and even myself i was like letting it happen when i felt like i mm-hmm. could have easily just like stepped back and said like no I'm, i don't want to be a part of this but i didn't mm-hmm. want to upset anybody yeah, no, sometimes you just, you don't realize what you're doing is, is, you know, what you don't like. And that's, that's, that's what I realized more as, as I've gotten older that sometimes I'm just passively, you know, have done something toxic or misogynistic without really knowing full well that I was doing it. Um, yeah, and we those, all have. Yeah, yeah and, those, sure. and those, those make me feel like shit because it's like, oh shit, like I, I didn't catch myself. And of, sometimes of it's co- obvious that the other person definitely caught it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I've been there and it's the worst because mm-hmm. you think like, well, I know who I am and I know I, I hate that. So why would I do that? And yeah. then it just comes out and it's just like, oh my God, like I have to look at myself so many times and just think like, yeah. why am I not aware of this? And then I just get more down on myself and then. Yeah. And that, that's one of the bummers of just doing something and then just hating yourself later. And at that point it's too late and you feel like if you go and apologize then it's even more awkward <laughs> so you're just like oh, yeah well, 
I guess I'll wait for a round two some other time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Are you able to spot the person or people or maybe what taught you about the idea of masculinity? I'm one of the rare cases where I'm an only child in a Mexican family, which is stereotypic- wow. stereotypically yeah. not that common. That is not um, common. Yeah. So I, I grew up with a lot of cousins, definitely. But um, mm-hmm. my main influence was my mom and my dad. Um, and I, like I mentioned earlier, they were very strict about what's girly and what's manly. So uh, I never, and I, I believe I had more, you know, female cousins than I did, you know, guy cousins. So whenever I'd go over, it was just a bunch of Barbies and I, you know, try not to play with the Barbies, try not to play with like, you know, their, you know, the Barbie pink Corvette, even though I'm like, look at the car, it's a Corvette. Can I play with it? It's like, no, yeah. don't play with the Corvette. It's like, oh, damn. Yeah. Um, so I mean, at an early age, it's like, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And I'll put it and I'll get like a little, you know, machine gun and, you know, GI Joes. And, and that was what I was supposed to get. So from an early age, it was always about, you know, what was girly, what was manly and, you know, what I should have. And it was always, always the boyish stuff. Um, um, they never really made it seem like being, like having girly things was bad. They just would always definitely emphasize that that's not for you that's that's for girls so mm-hmm. so masculinity for me came came that way um i'm trying to think what else you know again the, the teasing from my uncles you know that was always a way of you know if you're a boy you're going to get teased and, and you know i don't know if it's right or not but I, I definitely never saw my girl cousins get teased so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. thankfully they don't have to deal with that at least i hope they didn't but if you were a boy you're going to get teased immediately um I mean, they were probably dealing with a lot of other stuff, but in the teasing yeah. department, it was not equal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely not equal. And, and, and hopefully it was for the better because I hope they didn't get teased. But, I, you know, if you're a kid, you got teased and just take it like a man. Um, yeah, and you, I, don't I, under, and you don't understand all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. at that age. So you just think like, oh, I'm getting – all the boys are getting teased, but the girls are getting teased. Yeah, and, and what's funny is that growing up, since I can remember, I, I – I consumed tons of content, TV, film. Um, mm-hmm. I would read a lot of magazines. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But strangely enough, I, I've known a lot of other people who had very strict um, limits on what they could consume when it came to TV and film and, and books and magazines. I didn't. I didn't have that restriction, whether because they didn't know what they were restricting or why. Mm-hmm. I never had that when it came to content I consumed. But ironically, I never took masculinity from those from that media so even though i was five or six years old watching robocop and Bloodsport and rambo i never thought that that's what a man was um which i think is funny because i think a lot of kids who i grew up with identified as you're a man if you can be rambo you're a man if you can be jean-claude van damme or robocop like yeah those those you know buff authority figures that's what a man was and to me that's not what it was even though I consumed it a lot and I still love it. Um, ironically, I don't know why that never stuck with me as to why that's what I wanted. Uh, I grew up with pro wrestling and uh, I love pro wrestling. And again, I, as much as I like seeing those dudes beat each other, I never thought that this is what being a man is. Um, wow. So to me, to me, it was just um, boy stuff and girl stuff. I would have never expected to know a girl who was into WWF um, because that's not what she's supposed to like. But at the same time, I didn't think all boys need to like WWF. Mm. Um, so wow. that was that was a weird thing growing up where I never really my, my parents. I mean, they they were great. And, and mm. I don't think they ever made me see anyone who wasn't masculine in a negative way. And growing up, there were definitely kids who you can tell were less masculine and they would never say, don't talk to them or do anything, but they would always kind of emphasize in a definitely inappropriate way that they were different. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd be like, oh yeah, he's different. And, and I think that was, that was code for, you know, they might be gay or they're very effeminate or, you know, mm-hmm. they're definitely not a boy boy. And, and that's, uh, that was, that was the one thing that did stick with me as a kid that, you know, like, Oh, that, that person's kid is different. And, um, it wasn't ever seen as a negative. It just wasn't seen that they were, a a, a you know, a man boy. So, <laughs> so it was, yeah, they're the ones that taught me most about masculinity and, and, and 
they also taught me that it was okay to cry. So again, so maybe that's why I didn't see other kids as, I mean, other content and media as, as the epitome of manliness because my parents, um, they never got mad at me if I cried, you know, but obviously it wasn't ideal that I was crying because it was over, you know, dumb stuff, but, uh, yeah. but they were definitely not like, boys don't cry. It was just like, you're crying because you did something wrong. And it's like, okay, I get it. Um, but yeah, it's, it is interesting how I do know a lot of people who were shaped by media they consumed. I don't think I was, um, if wow, anything, it so probably cool. desensitized me in a sense to violence more than, more than, a yeah, which more is very than normal. form my, my idea of masculinity. But I mean, and when I look back at it, it's, it's like, how could I take the ultimate warrior seriously? He looks like a Paul Frank, you know, folder full of glitter and color lanyards running around it's like that's that's is that a man that looks like a <laughs> like a like a like a poster for like you know say no to drugs so it's 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 weird i'm definitely one of the many that consumed a lot of media as well growing up but took those images and put it into my brain of like oh that's what a man is even to this day i'll watch a movie or a tv show and it's usually like my favorite characters are just fathers who are really good at being a dad okay so um, what, what would you say is the most influential thing you saw as a kid well my favorite movie is liar liar okay. and that movie is all about father-son relationships and so when i saw a man just trying to do everything he could to be with his like to be around his son i was like oh that's the type of father i want to be like that's that's what men do I mean, there's so many other funny aspects to that movie, but I was like, oh, yeah, I want, you know, fathers are there, fathers. And my father was there, so it wasn't like a, it wasn't like, I want that because I'm not getting that in my real life. It was just, like, my, my parents are were divorced, or are divorced um, since I was five. And so every other weekend I went to my dad's place with my sister. And so he wasn't, like, in my life every day, but he wasn't. He was there. But when I'd watch Liar Liar or like even to when I was a teenager and I would watch or as I was a teenager watching Smart Guy with Taj Mahari and his dad and how they talked about problems, even though I know it was like very, you know, the music comes up and the, it's the end of the episode. And it's like, well, Tej, this is the thing. I was like, oh, I knew it was a, there was a lesson, but just honestly seeing that and seeing him talk to his son to be welcome to these conversations and also at the time for me, seeing that they were black, that was huge to me because I was like, oh, I've just never seen this. I'm not, I, obviously to this day, uh, that is possible. But when it's not all around me all the time, it just shaped in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, like, oh, wow, that is, that's so cool to see. And then there happened to be men just talking. And it's not about fighting. It's not about getting the girl um, or if it is about getting the girl, it's about how to how to do it correctly. Not anything not anything intimate, but just like how to ask someone out and and all that stuff. And you know, you're going to be someone's date to a dance, so then this has to happen, and you have to get a corsage and like all that stuff. So I took that in as lessons if I wasn't getting that in my real life. Mm-hmm. And so, like to this day, like if I watch Parenthood, my favorite is Adam Braverman, who is like the eldest. He has like the perfect life he has two kids a great wife he's like the leader he's a businessman or like if i watch friday night lights i love coach taylor because he's loyal he loves like teaching these young men football and he takes it seriously he doesn't get afraid to yell in their face when they deserve it but he also just doesn't go off a majority of the time obviously like they try to paint him in like a not perfect picture but majority of the time if he yells it's for a reason or in the in like the first season someone lies about a crime they committed and then he has to kick them off the team and which seems very basic like oh you lie you get someone in trouble you get off the team but for me it was just so much better for me to see it because i wasn't in football i wasn't in i wasn't around sports with students that committed crimes in my high school it just like it just wasn't in front of me so i didn't notice it but just to see how like how he handled it and be like oh no this is wrong so now this is what we have to do yeah yeah no that's good to see those examples of of uh, of good fathers you know struggling i think that's the best kind of uh father-son relationship where you you see the dad as not human 
you know, he's not perfect. Well, like he's human. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not perfect. Yeah. Um, ironically, I think my, my favorite human parent is not even human. Uh, I don't know if I've told you because I have a whole, you know, spiel about it, but I think, uh, finding Nemo is the best father son movie, uh, that I can remember for, you know, decades now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen a film capture the, the panic of a dad losing their son um, so well because the times where my dad freaked out over something that I did or, or if I was missing or something, um, that's Marlon in Finding Nemo is the exact replica of, of that parental yeah. <laughs> panic of trying to find your son and then you being Nemo, you're going on your own journey, not sometimes not thinking about your dad. And, and that film lets you see what your dad is feeling when he's not around you. And I think it was one of the few films that I watched that not made you feel sorry for, for the fathers, but you know, made you feel their pain of, of possibly losing a son. Um, yeah. So I think Finding Nemo is, is a great, one of the best Pixar films, if not one of the best Disney films, um, because a lot, of, a lot of Disney is, you know, sometimes losing fathers, like, you know, Simba loses Mufasa. But this is the one about trying to keep them together and, you know, that, that struggle and these two journeys. So I, I always recommend Finding Nemo for, for dads and sons to watch, because to me, that, that movie nails that relationship perfectly. That is such a good example. I never thought of it that way. I just saw it as like, oh, he's a parent who's trying to find his child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but it I, never hit me like, oh, this is a father. Yeah, it's a, it's a father son film, which and, it is, and I love it. I I love that just that journey that they both take in that film. It's 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 so at least I think it's very underrated when it comes to Pixar. People people love Finding Nemo. You know, it's a great film, but yeah, um, when you think about all their films, it gets I think it gets overshadowed often with you know Toy Story or you know um, Up or Wall-E, but Finding Nemo, I mean, it holds you know holds its place up there very oh, yeah. very well. Um, so it's, yeah, I always recommend that film. But um, that's so yeah, that's so good. Um, I wonder. I just I I had this thought, so I wanted to ask you. Do you think, do you think maybe it doesn't, like to me, it doesn't come off that way, maybe because he's a single dad. And so I just think, well, he's got to do whatever he can. Like, this is just normal. But maybe like in movies where they have both the mom and the dad and the dad does everything he can to, to secure his kids again. Like when I saw Taken, I wasn't like, wow, this is such a cool dad. I'm like, no, this is like a badass person who just wants his daughter back. Like, Mm -hmm. I was just, I mean I did think he was a good dad but I wasn't like wow this is even cooler because he's a dude like mm-hmm. you know what I mean do you think that's weird that I might have that thought of like oh if he has a wife then it's, it looks like he's overachieving or mm-hmm. but since he's single it's like oh yeah that's just like what he has to do now I don't I don't think he's is Marlon overachieving right I don't think dad? he is no I don't think he is but I think he's doing what every dad should do no matter what single or single think, or married yeah. but i think maybe in my head i didn't put the i didn't put the the math together that you did because mm-hmm. of that um i don't know if it's true i'm mean, just like i'm it's just a thought but what, the way i took his journey was that he basically had to as much as he wanted to find a son he's also trying to play the role of two parents so maybe that's why he might People might say he's overachieving because he's trying to be both the mom and the dad. In my eyes, he was trying to keep, you know, the promise to the mom to keep Nemo safe. Yeah. Um, because I believe she dies in the beginning of the film. Yeah. Yeah. She does. Yeah. So. From like an eel or something. Yeah. From like an eel. So. So. So she did that. So now he has responsibility to go to that length to find Nemo. So. So that that's why I like that journey so much of of, of him. But but. I don't know, man. I'm curious to see. I'm now want to hear other people's takes on Finding Nemo because I because I always saw it as that journey, the father and son story, um, especially and maybe I related to it more because it's Nemo as an only child. He doesn't have any siblings, mm, yeah. so I saw that 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 to me that bond is even stronger than someone who has multiple you know siblings. So yeah, it's a great film. Which is and and there's a whole reason why I think Finding Dory took a misstep there because Finding Dory to me is the Disney version of Finding Nemo's Pixar. Like, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a different, that's, that's a different podcast, but I'll definitely have to, I'll have to ask, I'll have to ask people about what they think for sure. And I'll get back to you, but I never thought, see, I never thought of Finding Nemo as a father son movie, Mm -hmm. even though it's clearly that where it's like, 
maybe it's because Marlon, Marlon, right? Yes. Which is so funny. Yes, um, I he's know. named after a fish. Yeah. Maybe because he's not like the, like, like it's known automatically, right? I mean, he's voiced by Albert Brooks. Uh-huh. And so that voice doesn't really come out as like The Rock or like Sylvester <laughs> Stallone. You know what I mean? So it doesn't give off any like intention of, and he's a like he's a he's a fish, so it's, it, you can't really give it. I I have a, th- a theory that people will pay more attention to emotional stories if it's animals rather than people, um, because as a, as a person, if you watch another person acting, you're you're kind of watching them act. You're, you're seeing this per- person be fake. If you watch animals do it, you're watching the animal's body language and like just i don't know it's just it has a different vibe it's it's the same reason why when i go to disneyland i i, I hug donald duck and i think it's donald duck it's <laughs> it's, it's not like you know oh, that's a, so sweet a, a person in there it's it's donald duck so yeah. same with the films i think if you put animals or creatures with human stories it resonates more than seeing a-list actors do it um because you you're seeing a character that doesn't exist outside of that medium only for that story so that's why i think films with creatures at least to me resonate more than than with people that's so interesting yeah because if they like get if they get one characteristic right about an animal i think as a kid you might think like oh well that's real because cats do do that or dogs do do that so Mm -hmm. they do okay so i'll buy this but i feel maybe people can can latch onto uh another human actors another actors in authentic in basically when they're being fake in authenticity we got in, yes thank you um, thank you very much yeah i mean is, is, if i ever saw bradley cooper i'm not gonna hug him and say i love you rocket raccoon but if i see uh you know a short person dressed up as rocket raccoon at disneyland i'm gonna say i love you rocket raccoon <laughs> um i love that you know it's it's I, I i feel like animals speak better uh or at least tell better human stories than, than people do sometimes so that's that's probably why i like nemo so much when it comes to that tale of parents or of uh, father and sons and now your person you and your you and your wife janina you love you guys love going to disneyland yes how many times a year do you say you go i don't know um <laughs> well, <laughs> I, love that that's your I, answer. I, I, I can tell you how many times this year it's maybe twice because uh they shut it down and uh, i don't know when, when we'll be going back but we we go often we definitely go often um do you get any I love that you go, and I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. I would love to go because there's so many aspects to both those parks that you can just. You, there's no. You, I feel like you can't run out of things to do within a week, even if you go for seven days straight. You just have to like plan it out. It's like you. I don't judge anybody who does that, but do you get any backlash? Not Janina, but do you get any backlash about going there a lot, being a guy? Um, n- no, no, but but I do have um something to say about that um well at this point one it's it's such a privilege to live in socal that you can just go whenever you want if if, mm-hmm. if you know if you have the means to so many times we'll go for dinner we'll, we'll get to work grab dinner at the park um sit around relax a little and then go home and that's yeah. that's the extent of most of our park visits really mm-hmm. um because I will die by the sword that Disneyland does have good food if you know where to look. Um, but I but agree. no one, no one's giving me crap about going to Disney. And I think that's because I'm 35 years old. Um, so mm. the, the, the Disney, the Disney timeline, if you're a kid is from newborn to about 12 years old, you will love Disneyland. Yeah. At, after that age, you're not supposed to like Disneyland. You're, you're going to you're going to you're going to talk smack about it as much as you can because all the kids your age are no longer into princesses and fantasy worlds mm-hmm. so so at least from growing up here once you hit that age you want to go to magic mountain you want to go to knots you want to go to theme parks that were not themed more just like thrill rides yeah. so so you were like ew i don't want to hang out with princesses or donald duck and uh, kids, I think that's part of like this masculine thing of like, you don't want to go to a place that has castles and balloons and, you know, little rights with like, you know, you know, Mr. Toad. So, mm. so you, so you grow up like, you know, middle school, high school thinking that Disney sucks because yeah. it's for kids. Um, one, it is for kids, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it doesn't suck, but, but you're, you have 
you're ingrained with this idea by your peers that at that time that that's not that's for little kids and then as you get older once i was you know definitely out of out of college and stuff and uh i met janina then we started going to the parks and she, she was the first time i'd gone to the parks in probably close to 10 years when we first went mm-hmm. and i fell in love with it because it's like i'm not there to you know do anything but step into a different world so so whenever yeah. i go it's like i'm going there with the intention of seeing something that is not real and that's why i love it because it does it does transport you to a different place uh, so no one's giving me crap about going to disney so often because it's fun and, and now at this point i'm sure there are articles or studies how uh, millennials love Disney. There's a whole Instagram culture based around Disneyland now where yeah. it's fun to go to Disney. It's fun to dress up like characters or do Disney bounds. And that's because um, we've stepped back from oh, Disney sucks, princesses suck. It's like, no, now it's fun. It's fun to go and pretend for a while. And Disney offers that. Um, so no one's giving me crap about going to Disney so often because that's good. It's fun. It's really fun. And again, the food is good. People just try the right things and it's good. <laughs> uh, but like I said, I want to go hug Donald Duck. To me, that's Donald Duck. So, so I have, yeah. I have to admit something where mm-hmm. I used to be the people that would judge. I mean, me, absolutely. Me too. When I was, I totally a, was, yeah, when I was in that age, uh, you would judge, like, I don't want to go to Disney. I want to go to knots. I want to write ghost Rider and Montezuma's revenge. I don't want to go on. It's a small world. Uh, but little did I know that the kid who's like running Ghost Rider is like 17 also. So it's like, now you think about it, you're like, oh, let's, just, <laughs> yeah. let's go back to just a small world. Um, but yeah. I think one, I think one thing, oh, sorry, what are you going to say? No, go ahead. I think one thing that I wouldn't be surprised if you personally don't get any backlash about it is because you own it. You own the fact that you love this so much and you go and you have fun. And no one can argue that people don't go there to have fun because people do go there to have fun. But since, even without that, I think since you just are so open to like, yeah, I like this and this is what I do. Is it a crime? Like you just own it so much that it, I think it, it shows people like, oh yeah, that's, oh wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll let him do his thing. And so I applaud you for being able to do that because that's not easy for a lot of people or I think a lot of men on any topic. Um, so I thank you for being able to do that because I try and find ways to this day about things that I like and to get people's approval. But you just are like, oh, I like it. That's what it, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, back even back in high school, you can ask a lot of my friends who would give me, you know, crap for saying things like oh that's cute and they too like cute you said cute it's like yeah cute is an adjective that we can use to describe things that we think are adorable (laughs) i'm not gonna say that's badass like oh yeah i do that that karopi keychain is badass dude it's like no it's 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 cute so so it's just this thing of like you know don't be afraid to just you know like things uh did i hide what i liked for a long time yeah when i was younger i was like Mm -hmm. i was gonna get judged and then i think in high school i was like you know what screw this i like what i like and um that's That's fantastic yeah at the same time my parents were like uh don't be too vocal about what you don't like but hey (laughs) yeah well i think that's i feel like even if you are able to gauge that at high school that's still great um because i don't think any i don't think a lot of men could do that i know i could at high school unless it was like you like eating? I was like, of course I like eating. I need to eat. You know, it's like, it was nothing that obvious, but you had all the, you had all the evidence to be like, you're crazy to not agree with me. And mm-hmm. the fact that you like it and you just love it. And or the fact that you like it and you just say like, yeah, I do. I just love it. It's great. Yeah. And I, I, in high school, I was, I don't want to say I was elitist, but there was a sense of elitism because I, I found punk rock in high school and, and punk rock is just tells, you know, do whatever you want. You know, you know, no one can judge you for what you like. Uh, unfortunately, I, I probably did judge people for what they like because I was I was so punk rock, you know, with an alternating letters there. Um, so whenever I, I mean, we all do for sure. Yeah. So whenever I found something I didn't like, I would you know, be like, oh, this this sucks because this isn't this. Um, and then later I was like, you know what? People can like whatever they like, but I like what I like um, for these reasons. So in a weird way, 
it, it was that weird elitism and punk that also made me accept things uh, mm. but also it made me not afraid to like what I like because it's like oh I like this you don't like it well you know well you know screw you but I like it um, <laughs> that's awesome yeah and I think that's that's the thing that that uh that helped me ex- you know not accept things like homophobia you know or misogyny because it was just mm-hmm. like you know you know why not it's stupid you're stupid yeah yeah so well while we're on the topic of disneyland why don't you help us newbies to eat in there what are your top three places to eat what do you think okay so if you're on a budget the best place to eat on a budget is going to be the corn dog castle because they have the best corn dogs in disneyland okay if where's you, where's that well there's a corn dog castle in disney's california adventure by the goofy's um oh damn it the the scoot the goofy right the, the sky something um it used to be called mulholland something or whatever it, it's by Goofy's, right? It, it's a corn dog castle. If gotcha. you're in Disneyland, you can go to the corn dog cart right after Main Street um, by Plaza Inn. There's like a little corn dog cart. Pretty much the same corn dog, but it's a very good corn dog. If you want to spend a little bit more money, um, not even a lot, but just a little bit more money, uh, there is a place called Plaza Gardens, I believe, at, at near the corn dog castle in DCA. And they have <laughs> great pasta and great pizza. Uh, it's very good, very, very good. Um, if you want to splurge, um, if you want to have a nice night out, you can do Steakhouse 55, which is amazing steak. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in the Disneyland hotel, or you can do the Napa Rose experience where you sit at the chef's table. Um, it's like about a five or six course meal. Um, it's catered to your taste by the chef. So it's, it's delicious. It's, it's very, it feels very high end. So I'm assuming it's high end. Um, yeah. But it's it's far more reasonable than it than, than what you think it is, and it's a great experience. And it's world. I, I think it's world class food. I do not like tomatoes. I ate tomatoes, and mm-hmm. I still I still get teased by my wife when she's like, "Remember when you ate tomatoes at you know at Napa Rose?" And I said, "Yeah, because <laughs> a world class chef gave them to me. I'm not going to deny them." Um, <laughs> so so th- those are a few places. Um, but just honestly, most food at Disneyland is is pretty good. Their fried chicken at Plaza Inn is is very delicious. It's very heavy, but it's very delicious. Um, yeah. People say eat the churros. They're, they're oh tr- yes. You know they're that's a given. Eat their churros. They're good. Yeah. But um, eat the weird stuff. Go to go to the you know the Star Wars. Um, what's that place called? Star Wars Land. Ah, great. As a big Star Wars fan, that I just forgot the name of the stupid land. Everyone's gonna <laughs> Is it like me. Galaxy. Uh, Galaxy's Edge, yeah. Galaxy's Edge. Edge. They have weird foods, delicious foods. They're okay. weird. They're super weird. You want like lavender coffee? That's the place for you. But it's delicious. Okay. Um, yeah, there's always a ton of food at Disneyland. DCA has a lot of food. It's it's um, it's, it's funny because early, going there early on, I thought the food just repeated itself throughout the park. If I was at one spot i could get the same food at the different spot but that's not the case like you have to have your spots because they all have slightly different food and the variety is vast so whether you want like a chili cheese dog or you know buffalo sauce burger or pastrami for breakfast it's all there you just have to find it tons of stuff tons of stuff what is the what is the restaurant inside pirates of the caribbean Blue, oh, Blue Bayou. Blue Bayou is also very good. A little pricier, limited menu. Very good. It's definitely an experience. I recommend everyone try it at one point. I've but always wanted to go there. Yeah, it's it, it's not bad. It's 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 fine. You're you're paying for the experience of being inside the ride a little bit. Um, yeah. But it's it's fun. It was good. It's 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 good. I I, I did. It. I've only been there once. Um, I, I have some amazing friends that, you know, allowed me the privilege to go to Club Thirty Three, and that was an experience that I'll never forget. <laughs> um, yeah. great food inside there obviously but that's harder to get but the quality of food it's it's in the park so you just have to find it uh, the Monte Cristo sandwich uh, near the Pirates of the Caribbean is delicious I mean mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I go on for hours Josh about <laughs> the food at Disneyland <laughs> it's all good I, I really enjoyed I'm not like a foodie like if I find something that I like and I know I like it I'm just going to get it because I that's just how I roll naturally Mm-hmm. So I usually go to, um, I usually go to, you're going to hate this probably, but, um, I usually go to pizza port 
I love Pizza Port. It's oh, not good. Man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I like it. I'm gonna own it like okay, you do. It's fine. It's fine. It's there. It's it's there. I like, and it's. I like I like Pizza Port. I like the churros. I remember they had. Didn't they used to have a cart out right outside, uh, Big Thunder Mountain where it, it was McDonald's fries? Am I crazy? You, I feel like I, or at least I saw the M or something. I don't recall that. So that could have been prior Darn. to me going back to Disneyland, but mm. I wouldn't be surprised. I just know that if they had that there now, that's what I'd be eating every time. I, me too. Yeah. But I also loved the the bread bowls. Yeah, bread in, bowls. Uh, yeah. New Orleans. Those Is are it New Orleans Square. Yes. Yes. They're they're very very good bread bowls there too. Mm, um, so good. Pizza port, you know. Um, all right yeah i mean i'll give you pizza port you know they're definitely they're definitely there i like it cool cool i mean as long as you like it um (laughs) i just wish it was called pizza planet because of toy uh, story it is now oh okay good okay they they did a temporary remodel of calling it pizza planet and i think it stuck it it was it was just better so now they have a bank a banner that's being hung by the aliens and it says planet instead of port oh that's yeah. That's cute. That's yeah. really funny. I and it always that. looked like it should be called Pizza Por- uh, Pizza Planet. I don't know why they stuck with Port yeah. for so long. Um, I never got that either. I mean, there's no Toy Story stuff near there, so it could be like, well, it doesn't really fit, but well, they, I don't know. Well, they, they put the Buzz Lightyear, you know, ride, the shooting ride. Um, oh, Astro, yeah, the Astro, Astro Blasters. Blasters. Yeah. 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 Oh, so, yeah. So there's that. So, But, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it's okay pizza. They use large pepper. Okay, they use large pepperonis on their pizza, which I don't understand because that way you only get like one and a half or maybe two pepperonis on those pizza slices. Uh, um, how many well, would you like? Oh, as many as you can cram on there. The more, the better. <laughs> it's like you know, but so so yeah. So that that's 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 why I prefer the other one. It has better better pizza. Um, gotcha. But this this one's, that one's not bad. Not bad. I'm not gonna hold what? it against you, Josh. That's okay. No, I'll. If we go together, I'm still gonna get it. Again, so yeah. you know, don't you, worry about it. You live your life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, one last thing about Disneyland, and then I'll move on to something else. Um, is that I don't know about you, but I think one of the best rides for parents, at least at least for parents, is the Finding Nemo submarine ride. Agree why for, or why, why for parents? Because it is so quiet in there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such, you just drown out the noise, unless you have children who are loud. But every time I've rid, ridden the ride, it's been like they've been yelling their butts off. And then once they step down the steep stairwell into the uh, submarine and they close mm-hmm. it, it, it's just pure heaven. I think I think because smooth. there's a subtle steepage of the idea of mortality when you're in that ride, that you're <laughs> underwater in a in an That's enclosed so space. So you're yeah. like something goes wrong. This could be it for us, even though yeah. we're only about three feet underwater. This yeah. could be it if something goes wrong. And you're always kind of you always tap the window to make sure it's you know sturdy. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> of course you do. So so <laughs> there's always I think I think it's that 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 humbling experience of like my life is not in my hands anymore um so i that's a that's good so that's a good ride but the reason why i do not like that ride is because i have a weird fear of deep sea fish um and when gotcha. that shot comes when you pass that part where you see the i forgot Angler the name fish yeah, yeah yeah i hate those fish they they freak me out so yeah. Finding Nemo taught me that name, so thank you. Oh, good. Nemo. See, it worked out. Yeah, but right, e- yeah. even prior to that renovation, um, I will still get creeped out on that ride because it was very murky, and then you'd see the mermaid. Um, I'm just not a big fan of fish rides, <laughs> so <laughs> so being in the submarine, it's just you know aquarium submarines, not really my vibe. But it is quiet. It is a relaxing ride. I do still think that a better relaxing ride is um, Haunted Mansion because because you just kind of just chill and just you know lay back and it literally lays you back at one point so it's pretty chill um oh yeah it's, it's, short. it's like the yeah it's like the makeout ride oh i never did that really yeah oh, okay well i mean yeah i'm god i missed out a lot on my youth i'm just saying it's a, if, <laughs> if you're if you're there with a date and you want some privacy uh-huh. and you want to just make out Okay. I, I, I suggest that ride. Okay. 
it is a lot of it is a lot of fun because it it's colder it's always moving mm-hmm. so you never feel because when you go on whenever i go there i never feel like i'm waiting that long even if the wait is an hour i feel like it's always moving because the ride is always moving unless it stops obviously but yeah and it's it's a very entertaining queue so you're always looking at things or you know it's not boring to you know yeah so yeah it's a, it's a fun one but yeah next time i'll try to ask my wife if she wants to make out on, on haunted mansion <laughs> let's, let's see if it works i think i know her answer but it's oh it's a hard pass yeah um, i mean same with me like those i feel like those dreams are are, are done with but i you know i lived it and i enjoyed them so okay. i look back with with uh with pure happiness see see if i if i tried that at one point and they said no it would just be the haunted memories mansion and just it's very true i would never be able to ride that ride again yeah you have it's a it's it's a a risk risk. because if you ask early then you have to go through the whole ride thinking well you know now she knows what i wanted you're just like just make me the 1000 ghost while i'm here yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man you have, I bet you have so many, so many jokes like that lined up <laughs> yeah, and I love you for that for yeah. many reasons, but that is one of them. So, so one of the things about being an only child is that my parents were very proud of me being very quiet as, as they would say, you were, you were a very conservative child and we like that, which meant that I never caused a fuss when I went anywhere. I was very quiet. Even my dentist was like, you're my favorite kind of patient, which in <laughs> retrospect sounds awfully creepy, creepy, but, mm-hmm. um, yep. All that did was just train me to just pay attention um, and observe the room. So, so even though I might not be the loudest person in the room, or or the life of the party, I am always observing. So I, I've gotten yeah. I've gotten this uh, very good at observing people and getting their ticks down, but also observing them and then just lining up jokes and lining up things, you know, far ahead in advance. Oh yeah. 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 I definitely which, share which, that with you as well. It's funny because I think this is the, the right avenue for this. I'm, and speaking of masculinity, we're also talking about misogyny and, and you know those sort of things in there. Um, yeah. Uh, because of because of who I am, I I'm always constantly looking at things. I, I, I'm I'm a very big believer in knowing your surroundings. So I'm always, mm-hmm. if I walk into a room. I am studying everything in that room immediately to tell me something about that person, about their desk, what they're reading, what books are on the shelves. I yep. do it. I do it when I watch TV or when I watch, when I see films, I'm constantly analyzing the room, what they're wearing, what they're writing with, um, um, everything, any little detail I try to catch. Um, what that has led to, unfortunately, many times. And it's like, it's so awkward is that I'll meet people. I, you know, well, I'll, let's say I meet, I meet a woman, or, um, or when I was younger, like a girl, and then I'm looking and I'm immediately looking at them. And at some point I, I look at their chest and I'm never mean to look at their chest. Like I, I swear, I just want to look at what they're wearing and their shoes. And I feel like it creeps people out a lot of the time. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Like, I wish I could just, I wish I was, I just want to say like, like, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at what you're writing with or what you're wearing because that interests me as, you know, as much as anything else. And it's a weird thing to be yeah. a guy and be super observant because it can be creepy sometimes. So I'm like, ah, I need to, oh, yeah. should, I, should I just wear sunglasses all the time? But then I, I look had... like a cult, you know, I look like oh, Jim yeah. Jones, I look like <laughs> a cult leader. So it's, it's, it's interesting how as a man, I have to, I don't want to say worry about those things, but also think about those things. Um, and, and to understand that someone who I'm talking to could be as perceptive as me into what I'm doing and they could erroneously think that I'm, you know, ogling them or looking at them in a weird way. And it's like, it's, it's, it sucks. You know, that, that's the best way I can, I can describe it. It sucks. Um, I, when I'm at work and I'm walking behind women, I, I know that that can make women uncomfortable. So I have to yeah. Go, go a different way I have to do something mm-hmm. because it's like I want to reassure you that you know I'm not I'm not trying to creep you out I'm not danger any, any way even at work you know so it's always something that we have to in men keep in mind because of the culture that surrounds us that um, we have to try to be not threatening in a way um, to make other people feel safe because they, yeah. because they don't know us so we have to also you know think about what they're thinking, what they're feeling when we're behind them walking down the street or at night or, you know, somewhere there where they don't, might not feel safe. I a hundred percent. I've have lived 
that way majority of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only say majority because when I'm like five, you don't think about it. But uh, but when you're aware of the optics of a man in certain situations, it's it's very tricky because you don't want to be like, well, I can do this because I'm a man, I'm a human. But you still have to be, I think if you're so aware of how the other people might feel, it just helps. Like I do the same thing if I'm running and there's a girl running as well, I'll usually like either really slow down or really speed up or go across the street just because I don't want her to turn around and see me just just running Mm -hmm. and make her feel creeped out. Or like if there's a girl who's wearing a shirt that has writing on it, I don't say a word about it unless they say something like, oh, did you see my shirt? And they're like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's fine. Oh, my God. But I never make the first. I never say it first Mm -hmm. just because I feel like, oh, she might be thinking, oh, he's looking at my chest. I'm like, no, I like I'm I'm, I want to see what's on your shirt. But I don't like I I try and fight that so much that I just was like, if it's funny, people will talk about it and she'll talk about it. Or if it but it's only on the chest, if it's like if it's near her, if there's like funny writing near like the belly button, then I'll comment Mm -hmm. fast. Yeah. Or like the shoulder, or or on the back, like on the upper back. If it's on the lower back, I'm not gonna comment. You know, I just there's so many <laughs> things that I don't mind doing because if that's if like if that's the worst part about being a guy, I'll take it all day long. If that's yeah. the worst part about my sex that I have to do all all day long versus what a woman goes through, but it is a thing. Like there's a joke by one of my favorite comedians. She's a, her name's Eliza Schlesinger. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I. She was like, even as a woman, I can see there's a double standard about how men can can be perceived. Like, if you go to, if you go to a park by yourself, people aren't people are gonna be like freaked out usually, or to a school by yourself. But she was like, me as a woman, I know I have, like, I could walk around with a raccoon on a leash, and kids would be like, hi, you have a funny dog. How are you? <laughs> like, but I can't. And since I'm a woman, it's more inviting. It's not scary. But if I'm a guy who just walks who just walks past, it could be seen as something else. It's funny, but it's it's very interesting you brought that up because it's it's so true yeah. that we have to think about. I think we should think about. Yeah, and to a, it's, yeah. it's like baseball. So many unwritten rules that you have to like you know acknowledge and, and follow. But uh, coming back to Disney real quick, um, growing up an only child, I, I could do everything by myself. I, you know, I. I you know, had all my action figures. I didn't need anyone to play with. I, I, I was good. I, I could read all day. As I got older, movies by myself, not a problem. Concerts by myself, not a problem. Um, my wife, uh, for a while, she was going to Disney by herself. She loved it. She could go people watch. Mm-hmm. Um, one time I had to run an errand and I said, let's dip into Disney for a bit. You know, I'm here. Let me just go in, get something, get, you know, something to eat maybe and head on out. Being alone at Disneyland was the only time where I felt utterly miserable and I hated it. And I said, I will never come back to Disney alone again. And it's like, why didn't I like it? I love doing everything by myself. I can do anything, but this sucked. And I told my wife, I was like, I never want to go back to Disney alone. It sucks. And then she's like, no, I love it. It's great. No one bothers you and you get to do whatever you want. And I thought, yeah, but when I go to Disney, it's the one place where I might not want to be alone, where I want to share it with someone. Yeah. So it was the only place to date where I do not like being alone or want to go alone. I don't see the appeal of it and I never want to do it again, but some people (laughs) love it, but it's the only place that I have not felt comfortable alone. And maybe it's because they're like, what's this grown man doing alone at Disneyland, you know, but it sucked. That was the only time where Disney really did suck for me. That and then when they don't pay their workers fair wages. So, yeah, that too. That's obviously <laughs> that, that also sucks a lot. Yeah, of course that sucks. Um, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, I've never i uh, I haven't talked I haven't had been able to talk about that with another person, another guy, uh, in a very long time. But um, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, as we start to wrap this up for today, because um, you're definitely I would love to have you back because there's so many so many more things we can talk about. Okay. Um, for the younger crowd, which makes me feel a lot older because I just said that, do you have any solutions for dismantling, I would say, toxic masculinity for younger boys? Um, or for even men our age and older, like we could still learn how to be better at any age, but 
you know. It's uh, interesting that in this current, uh, you know, cultural and political climate, I think the same solution is across the board so similar, and that's just to understand who's on the other side. So um, right now, with, with everything that's happening with the Black Lives Matter, with, you know, with all these ICE detention centers, and even with toxic masculinity, it's all about understanding the other side. Um, so the best thing to do is to talk with people who are experiencing that, who are going through that, or, you know, who've had better, more, you know, knowledge about it. So I'd say for the younger people, younger boys, or, you know, even older ones, it's, it's learn more about who is the target of that mask, who, who's affected by the masculinity. So read more women, talk to more women, watch more content by women, because that is the way to understand it. Um, you need to see how it affects other people, how that culture affects other people. And, and that's the best way to understand it. Cause I can, I can think about what I need to fix, but I won't know until I, someone tells me what it is exactly that is, that needs to be fixed. So, you know, I, I'm not affected by toxic masculinity for the most part. Um, but if I can, if I'm able to produce it, then I should be able to know how not to do it. Um, it's like it's like having you know a nuclear weapon you have it but you should know why not to use it because what it can do so it's I that just, is so good know, so i would just say no it's it's a weapon unfortunately so know how why not to use it and that's that's the best way and earlier you mentioned you know if i could recommend anything for people to you know watch or read and, and i was just talking with my wife yesterday how some of my favorite films of the last few years have been women-oriented films like book smart or edge of 17 or ladybird or um eighth grade they were all i think they're all great films that give you a perspective on on women or girls especially on girls um and it was a side that i haven't seen that i thought was hilarious and funny and smart and sad and and more guys need to see those type of things to understand how their actions and how you know our culture can affect other people so especially women and girls well jose thank you so much for uh being able to be on the podcast today um uh but you uh, before we go um you have a podcast yourself um tell us all about it uh yes it does not add anything to the world like this is doing um it is on the screens podcast where we just talk about movies or TV, pop culture type of things. Um, we are there's a place for it. People like to talk about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then when we do, we're just like, yeah, man, that that movie was awesome, awesome, bro. Um, and then and then we move on to serious <laughs> things. Um, but no, we just talk about me and my my co-host Carlo. Um, we talk about film, TV, uh, you know pop culture in general, uh, but mostly those two mediums, but we are going to be launching a new one soon where we're going to focus specifically on, on, on villains, um, uh, because we do like the psychology and the, uh, just, you know, the story of the villain in, in films. Sometimes it's just, it's as interesting or more than the actual, you know, protagonist. So we're going to focus on, on the bad guys for a bit. Uh, so that'll be coming out soon. Um, but yeah, if you want to, do you have a, do you have a name for it? Uh, I believe right now we're going to call it Fiends of Film. Fiends gotcha. of Film, yes. Um, so, But if you want to listen to On the Screens podcast, just go to um, iTunes and look for On the Screens podcast or any other medium, Spotify. It'll pop up on there. Uh, listen to some of it. Please You know, let us know what you hate about it because that's what concerns me more than what you like. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so uh, beyond that, you can always you know, uh, hit me up on Instagram at Vanderhouse, and that's V-A-N-D-E-R-H-A-U-S-E. And uh, but yeah, those are the two things where I'm mostly uh, active on the podcast and then uh, my personal Instagram. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, Every go check out uh, Jose on Instagram and his two awesome podcasts. Um, I've listened to On the Screens, and it is a lot of fun and the chemistry between you and Carlo is I can tell why you guys have a podcast. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very fun to listen to. Thank um, you. no worries. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you everybody for listening today. Uh, I hope you guys have a good day and, uh, yeah. All right. Thank you. 
Thanks again for listening. If you like this episode, go ahead and share with someone who might benefit from hearing it. You can subscribe and get our new episodes every week. Tag us on Instagram at Boys Will Be Human, and you can join more conversations over at the Facebook Boys Will Be Human community page. And please leave a review. Reviews are crucial, especially for new podcasts like this one. The music is by Polaroid Bear. Check out his music at his website in the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon.